Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Live Laugh Leaf, the newest Leafs postgame podcast on the Yahoo Podcast Network. I'm Mike Stevens. Justin Cuthbert. And uh, the Leafs, they played a doozy of a game tonight. Doozy. A doozy. I would I'd probably classify that as a doozy. Okay. Uh, 5-4 overtime victory. Mm-hmm. I think they avoided having to like look at themselves collectively in the mirror and really reevaluate things because it was another, if their second, uh, multi-goal, third period, blown lead. They did pull it out in overtime. John Tavares with the winner, his second power play goal of the game. Uh, as mentioned, they, uh, you know, they're going to move on to Montreal tomorrow night. We don't know if William Nylander will be there. He's not on the team plane. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Jack Campbell will start. We'll get into his performance, obviously, in his debut. Uh, but we do know that Montreal cannot move to within two points, as it was uh, mentioned on radio waves this morning, uh, because the Leafs did, in fact, get the two points tonight, and they don't have to worry about that potential storyline. But mm-hmm. it also, it is obviously a big game, and uh, we're going to be right back here tomorrow night. And we do know as well that Trevor Moore is no longer a Toronto Maple Leaf. And it's still it's still tough coming to grips with that. But we're have, just you, gonna, have you completely stomached that yet? Uh, I'm on like the more I'm on the bargaining part of uh, the grief process where I'm just like, take, you know, take me instead. Why couldn't it be Dmitry Timoshov? You know, something like that. But this was this was a crazy game. There was a point in when they when that fourth goal went in for for Anaheim, there was a point where I asked myself, why did I tie my livelihood to this team? Why? <laughs> Why are we here? Why am I in an office at you know midnight on a Friday night talking about this team? They do not deserve it, and yet they came back and they redeemed themselves. So they took Trevor Moore away from you, and now they're taking your soul away from you. But they did, again, pull it out, which was, again, I can't really overstate how big that is because... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
frankly, this team has played seven really bad periods in a row. They haven't got any points uh, from the previous two games mm-hmm. where they've sort of built up this losing streak here. Uh, but being able to get the one was, you know, at least something, but it would have been a really sour taste left in their mouths if they didn't uh, get the get both points against an Anaheim Ducks team that's playing on the second night of a back-to-back, third game in four nights, and really, frankly, just not a good team. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big game for the Leafs just to show that resiliency, just to get the win, very important. Uh, I think the consequence, as we mentioned on the last one, would have been sort of much worse if they didn't get it than what they gained from the two points but I mean they just had they had to have this game and they did and uh, we'll lead right into it with the our takeaways Mike you can go first I mean it's mainly just if if they didn't win this game it would have been like a catastrophe like a legitimate catastrophe it like this the the points were too important here they had already made they had given them the help they're like, all right, you, you can't blame this on goaltending. You can't blame this on anything else. You need to go out there and win the game. And they did, but the composure of this team, my biggest takeaway here is the composure of this team needs so much work. I mean, this is the, the I, I've seen Sheldon Keefe call calm down timeouts, especially in the third period, uh, more times than I can count. And it's that that's just unacceptable, especially in your own building while you're while you're still leading. He called a he called a timeout, you know, in the third period to be like, hey, relax, uh, stop running around. Uh, play some structured hockey, and, and they went on and blew the like and blew their lead. They went they went on they blew a lead. They got a lead back, and then they blew it again. And when you're in when you're at home and the games matter this much, you can't do that. That my biggest takeaway is like this team. Although that they they're getting better, they like the composure is just not there. The calm down timeout. I mean, it has become a Keith staple. I guess it was probably a staple of his before. Uh, but you're right, we're seeing it far too often, and that's because they're putting themselves in position where they need that reset, where they need to sort of take a breath and realize that they just got to get back to what they do or what they should be doing uh, to get things back on the rails. I do like the move, though. I, I think it's really smart of him to use it in, the, in those certain instances because uh, while it may not be working perfectly of late, uh, I think it's a valuable thing and a smart uh, and innovative and a thing that he's sort of brought and that most coaches don't do. Uh, but again, continuing to have to use it and, and doing it uh, in sort of these desperate times where it's like if, if, if there's not like a, a little bit, if they don't have this timeout, if they can't reset a little bit, then it's just going to come crashing down into their own end again. It seems like that's like a safety measure that should only be pulled out in emergencies. And they seem to just be having emergencies every game now. Well, if- that that goes straight into what Sheldon Keefe was saying after the game, which was they're just waiting for something to happen. And earlier the, today he said you know, bringing in these two Kings, Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell, it's going to be a boost to their energy and enthusiasm. They should come with a different attitude today. And my biggest takeaway is that they came with the same energy and the same enthusiasm. It wasn't really like anything else had changed. I mean, Kyle Clifford gives you a different look. He's sort of crashing around, tried to fight Ryan Getzlaff. He did. Uh, he went back first into the boards and in, in, when he was trying to line up a hit, which looked very, very dangerous. Uh, uh, thankfully, he was able to get up. Um but it was sort of the same old from this team. I mean, Austin Matthews looks absolutely lethal and dangerous and possessed at times. Uh, there's a little bit of a the people in his orbit are sort of feeling that at points as well. Uh, but for the rest of the lineup, there's just times where they're, they're, they're just lacking confidence. They don't look assertive. And in the third period, and really it, it started in the later or the latter portions of the second period, it looks like they were that Keith was right. They were just waiting for something bad to happen. That third period start was ominous. Like it was just three consecutive shifts 
of the Ducks owning possession in the offensive zone. It didn't hurt them in those moments. And Jack Campbell made a really nice glove save, a reactive glove save uh, uh, among those shifts. And while that, while the Ducks were sort of going downhill on them, but it was just sort of the same old story over and over and over again. And they just, they welcomed a comeback bid from Anaheim. Anaheim was successful in that comeback bid to a point. And the Leafs were lucky to get another power play. And this is the same old story. Their last win, three ni- three mm-hmm. games prior, uh, they were lucky to get a power play. Four forwards out there, uh, and the four forwards cashed. And you know what? It's just sort of a run of bad games for them. And and I think Keith was right on in his assessment that they're just not the confidence is lacking. It it, it shouldn't be lacking because you have the way that you, the roster that you have shouldn't be a roster that you need to go. Okay, guys, you can do it. Like, come on, you have Austin Matthews, you have Sheldon Keefe is the ability to roll out for two thirds of every hockey game, one of Austin Matthews and John Tavares. That's a luxury that no other team can really comprehend. And outside of Pittsburgh with Malkin and Crosby or guys like that, you don't like they can't replicate. And for it again, like even though William Nylander is out, even though you have Morgan Riley on the shelf, it doesn't matter. You have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner uh, and, and, a, and John Tavares and a lit- litany of other guys. And you were also playing, you know, behind two guys who came in who, as you said in, in your in your column tonight, they have charming, you know, interactions with the media. These two guys are well, breaths, breaths yes, of fresh yeah. air coming in here. And, and, and I think it's the contrast, really. I mean, we'll get yeah, into that a little later, will. but these guys are so different from what you normally receive from the Leafs that are in the dressing room or have been in the dressing room they're happy day. to be Leafs like they're I, so they're delirious it's 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 weird and amazing <laughs> and fun and it's it's uh, Jack it's, Campbell got starstruck breath, tonight it's a breath of fresh air yes he did in many ways uh but just back to no, yeah. our first points just before we move on to Campbell what is it then because they have these these two superstar centers that they could roll out you know uh, two out of three every three shifts at least if they want to do it that way I feel like it's the defense core. At least it, it was is. tonight where it's just, it looks like they don't all feel comfortable with each other. All the parts don't necessarily, uh, aren't fitting together perfectly. I thought Lilligren and Sandine were great in the first half mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, not as effective in the second half. Muzzin and Hall, I don't think Hall had a very good game. Yeah, but, I was just but Muzzin was fine. That. But Dermot and Barry, like they just do not inspire confidence. And I worry about them as a, a pairing moving forward for as long as they do last together. This is going to be a big picture part that we talked about. We might as well just hop into it now organically yep. because we're an organic podcast. But Travis Dermott is like, you know, Steve Dangles used this analogy a million times. I'm just going to steal it because it's so good. Like he's he's the Joker standing next to a pile of money, burning it. Like he he had the prime opportunity when Morgan Riley went down to step up into a top four role and prove that he can take that next step and earn those next dollars. And he hasn't done that at all. He's gone backwards. And this is not a, like, this is the thing. It, this is not a player who was sheltered before and wasn't, you know, and, and, and looked a little better in, in those minutes against lesser competition. And we kind of overestimated him. He basically has the same usage that he does now that he did when he came into the league. He's playing, you know, 12 to 16 minutes a night. He's playing on on a quote unquote third pairing. And he's and this is this was a guy who as a rookie came in and he wasn't just keeping his head above water. He was pushing play. He was making he was making passes. He was making, you know, really really impressive moves on the ice against professional, you know, hockey players. And now he looks completely lost. The first goal wasn't necessarily on on him, but he like he's losing the ability to diagnose plays. He's losing the ability to um, just have a sense of where he is. He there's, seems lost. There's more than one way to form defensive pairings, but 
with the way the Leafs are doing it now, where guys are playing, they're matching up guys who are similar with their capabilities. Mm-hmm. And the most representative of that is definitely Dermot and Barry. And what's what supports that, I, I had a conversation with Dermot uh, earlier in the year, I guess a couple of months ago, where he was, his uh, comparable coming out of the draft, one of them, or one of the main ones, was Tyson Barry. Now, I, do, I think they're different players. Uh, Dermot has a little bit more physicality. Uh, Tyson Barry probably has a little bit more skill and will always have a, a, mm-hmm. an added skill element. But these are two guys who sort of do the same thing. They're both shifty in the defensive zone. They use head movement and fakes to to elude defenders or forecheckers. Uh, and they do a lot of the similar things. They're really good at some of the similar things. But they're also imperfect. Mm-hmm. And their imperfections are doubled when they're on the ice together is, is what I'm seeing. And I, I look at a team like Vegas, I guess not as much this year, but in previous previous years, two years, um, they they had a great system, what I thought, was just a simple and, and very effective system where they had a puck mover and a guy who could effectively, you know, blow up cycles and just play that steady style, but not really hurt them. It's the way you would move, you would make like an NHL 20 kind of defense pair. You put an offensive guy and a defensive guy exactly. together in the and same it's, pair. And it sounds very, you know, like it's not innovative or inventive mm-hmm. or anything, but it just seems like the opposite is at play right now with that pairing. And I frankly don't think it's working. It's well, it's not. I mean, we'll get like Justin Hall had a very, very bad game. It, he he hasn't looked really. He looked. He had a bit of an up, uh, you know, a surge or a resurgence, I guess, uh, when when Jake Muzzin came back. He did look a bit lost without his partner there. But recently, he hasn't. The last two games have been really rough for him. But Travis Dermott's a problem right now. Like he really is. It's it, it's becoming to the point where you know you can kind of write off his his struggles to coming back from injury. And there is some merit to that. It's not a coincidence that I think his worst season that he's had, even though he hasn't had very many, his worst stretch of play is coming right after he spent all summer recovering from a shoulder injury. So there, there's there's likely some of that at play. But right now, the Leafs need, they need, need players. And if he's not going to be able to play for them, I don't really see what we're doing here. I mean, there are a lot of people who are who are starting to think, you know, should he be traded? Should they? Should the Leafs kind of move on? And earlier in the summer, a lot of people were talking about how, you know, strike the Leafs should strike now sign Dermot to you know a long-term extension at you know 3.25 or something really get that cost down and 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 sort of uh bet on the fact that he's going to improve and right now there's no reason why he should be making more than Justin Hall there's no reason why he should be making anything in the twos I think bridge deal or move on well I think that's the benefit here is I I don't think he really has any bargaining power Uh, eventually I mean obviously they're going to be put in a room at some point and they're going to probably hammer out a deal whether it's a one-year bridge long-term whatever Uh, but this could work out somewhat in the favor of the lease because I don't think they're going to have to break the bank to uh, appease Dermot because I just don't think he has that much he can bring to the table it has not been a massive step in the right direction it's been at best uh, and and not this, but treading water is about all he can sell from a season-long and performance he, he standpoint, and he's going to have to push his yeah. uh, performance in a in the right direction in order to be able to tell that story. Uh, we're about ten minutes in. I think we should probably get to Jack Campbell now. Yeah, or, yeah, Jack Campbell, Cal Clifford. Let's do it. Probably start with the goaltender. Oh yeah, the more important guy. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to really heap. <laughs> it's hard to really heap praise on a guy who allowed four goals on thirty shots. Um, but but I thought that was the professional backup performance that the Leafs have not had in a long, long time. Yeah, didn't you feel more comfortable? Like I just uh, 
look, the the results were there, and maybe it, we were in the dog days of the season, and it's been so sort of grating that emotions kind of factor into it. But it, I felt I felt really nice and comforted by Jack Campbell tonight. <laughs> I felt like he was he was safe. You know, he kept me safe. Michael Hutchinson, he. It could be anything with him, man. He could be. He could have a, a. He could shut out the Islanders, or he could, you know, let in eight goals against. I don't know, like the Blackhawks or something. But Jack Campbell. I mean, he made timely saves. Some of those goals were on him. But we have to keep in mind that I mean, excuses are one thing. But this guy, you know, went from Los Angeles to Toronto with an entirely, like, literally across the continent with an entire new, entirely new supporting staff around him, an entirely new supporting cast around him, new systems, um, thrust into the into the role, not just of becoming a backup. Like, it'd be one thing if Frederick Anderson was healthy and he came in and he had some time to acclimate. No, he was, you're the starter, and in a, in a game where our sort of narrative hopes and, and dreams kind of rest on you, you're in between the pipes and you're playing. And I think he, I think given the moment, he was completely solid. He was completely comfortable. That last goal, um, the four, the four, four goal. Although it, it went in, he made a terrific save before that, and it just ended up being that the puck was there, and, and uh, Adam Henrique batted it in. But Jack Campbell, I mean, if you if you look if you're looking at a guy who just needs to be a good backup, needs to come in there and, and, and hold the fort and give your team a chance to win, he absolutely gave him a chance to win. Yeah, I think the key word that you used was the timeliness of it. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of tenuous moments in the game, even though the Leafs sort of felt like they were comfortably in the lead for most of it. But early on, he made some big saves. He had a little help from the post that probably settled him in or helped settle him in. Um, But it it was sort of, and then obviously Anaheim got the equalizer eventually, and they were still waiting for that second goal. I thought there were some saves then. So he allowed them to get to that lead. That's checkpoint one. And then when things started to get a little hairy near the end of the second period, I thought he made some great saves. Then he came and made some great saves to start the third period. So I think he allowed them to build the lead, and then he helped. When things were sort of starting to fail, he was there to to sort of stop the door or close the door. Then everything sort of falling apart. Yeah. Like everything structurally was falling apart. I mean, you had mistakes on the on the power play that led to the the Max Jones goal, and then sort of two, I guess I'll say, fortunate uh, goals. Uh, uh, the third and fourth for Anaheim. Um, but I felt like he battled as long as he possibly could to yeah. to stave off that fourth goal. And a, more of that and the fact that the Leafs gave up four uh, was, in, was mainly uh, due to the fact that their defense was just sort of failing them again and again. Like Sheldon Keefe said, they were sort of waiting and on their heels and waiting for something bad to happen. But I will tell you, I'm going to be a Jack Campbell supporter yeah. here on end because as we mentioned earlier, He's just given us something a little bit different yeah. in the post games. A little bit. He's got this like awkward charm where he's very candid and he's uh, willing to talk about his feelings. And what he felt out there, he met. He admitted that he was nervous. Uh, Emotional and, honesty. It's and great. That, and that you know that that he felt the pressure and all that. And he, uh, I think he's just given us a little something extra. He's obviously this guy that people are going to pull for because he seems to be uh, extremely endearing. Uh, from a personality standpoint and a guy that's at least inspiring more confidence from a goaltending perspective. And he's also here for the long run. I mean, he's signed for another two more years at a very, very reasonable price point. I saw someone saying, oh, 1.65 for a backup. That's crazy. What? What? Like anything under $2 million for a backup is, is, is lovely. And he's there for the next two years. And as well, he, one thing that I really liked about him is that he seems to know how to play the puck. 
I, he didn't. He and there he, was there was one moment. There but. was one, but I mean, when you even Frederick Anderson, people kept calling him even before he came to Toronto. Kept calling him like a very adept puck handler, and I I've seen him give the puck away many many times and, and make moves where you, where you kind of like your stomach lurches watching him do it. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where where Campbell looked a little iffy, but he seen there were a lot of times as well where he he would go behind the net and he wouldn't fire it. He'd wait. He'd hold the puck, he'd settle it down, he'd kind of wait out a defender and then give it to the, to a Leaf, kind of circling behind the net. And, I mean, look, playing the puck is not a huge part of goaltending. It, you know, we're not in the days where people would call, you know, uh, Martin Broder a third defenseman. But any any added value that a backup goalie can give you is great. And he just as well seemed so comfortable in net. Like, just very positionally sound. He plays inside his net, which is nice. Whereas, you know... Even the two other goalies in the organization don't necessarily do that. He just seemed very sort of calm and composed, even though apparently on the inside he was internally screaming. So, it, but it, it was just it was just a breath of fresh air, and and I'm sure we'd have a different, a, a, a somewhat different perspective on it if if you know over time went a different way. But he made the stops he needed to make, like you said, they were timely, um, and that's all a backup really needs to give you. And he gave them a chance to win. Now, you mentioned the salary. My question when I started to think more and more about the trade, we obviously did a podcast right after and probably didn't completely collect our thoughts. Uh, But do you think this is a change in philosophy on the part of Kyle Dubas? The fact that he is willing to pay a backup goaltender this much money and he's putting it out there, like he's building the parameters for himself for the next two years moving forward. But I think they've always understood that they have to give frederick anderson a little bit more rest and they have to sort of trend to the the norm which is to sort of provide either a 65 35 sort of split or what have you but that just wasn't an option this year i i tend to think that it's just it's maybe not quite that but just him finding the right guy that he's comfortable with to give that money i i don't i'm I might be giving or putting a little much too much into that, but uh, just what are your thoughts on on maybe him sort of either maybe admitting a fault or just being like this is the guy that I want and I'm willing to pay for him to do it. I think it is a bit of admitting it, like admitting a fault. The fact that okay, it's not a coincidence that literally minutes after a her, another horrendous performance by Michael Hutchinson that that you know broke the back of his team, he pulled the trigger on a goaltender. Like it's and and, and committed for another two yeah. plus years. And also, like one thing is that Jack Campbell is going to be is signed past Frederick Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like he's like they're look depending on how he plays and and how the organization views him, he could be the replacement. I mean, it, it really there's a lot of things that could happen in the next two years. But he's going to be in the organization barring a move, and Frederick Anderson won't be at least at least for a couple minutes on July first. So, I I think that this this is a win now move for sure, and the trade like completely scrapped a column that I was writing that night about how the Leafs need to start making win now moves because this is a win now move, but it also has implications past this season. And Jack Campbell, he's, he's not young, but he's, he's not old and he's still, I think he, he still has some sort of more uh, runway to hit there. And uh, look, it's always best to have these, have your goaltending, have your net set in stone. Like you, it's always the, one of the biggest distractions of Kyle Dubas's two years as Leafs general manager is that they go into training camp and no one knows who's going behind Frederick Anderson in, in this first training camp, it was three dudes fighting it out for it. And that was arguably his most vital mistake as a general manager so far. No, no fault of his own because at the time it made sense to keep sparks over Curtis McElhaney, but 
at, there was still that ca- that chaos around there. And then going into the next year, he was betting on Michael Neuverth, who's, you know, the, the I broke my arms in the morning, I broke my legs in the afternoon guy from SpongeBob. He's to, to you know, to wrap up that job. And he didn't even make it into a game, really. So this is a, this is a, a way of him going, my net is solidified, and it will be solidified in the next two training camps. And I can kind of, I can I can pay my attention to different roster spots more adequately and not have to worry about this like I did before. Miscalculations of gold, definitely the, the thing that has plagued Kyle Dubas the most throughout his tenure. And now, uh, consider, or I guess assuming mm-hmm. that Jack Campbell's going to do the job, he's not going to have to worry about that. I mean, hopefully. He'll be here for another two years, we Maybe. expect. And if Toronto Maple Leaf fans had it their way, I think Kyle Clifford would be here <laughs> yeah. for another couple of years too. I mean, I think he moved closer to the cult status that I believe he's destined for just because he, he plays it. a certain way in warm-up when he came up with no no helmet on no or no Bucky, Bucky. As you like I mean, it. it got me very fired up. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, it's such a prototypical thing for the tough guy you bring in to show his toughness by not, by doing something as stupid as not wearing a helmet in warm-up. Uh, but I love it. Fans love it. Uh, and it set the tone. It sort of was the proper introduction to kyle clifford it would have been different too if he just had like a normal haircut but he's got like the skull going basically and he also has like two teeth left and it just like it was it was everything every your uncle everything that your uncle wants in a hockey player it's kyle clifford and as well like i and this is not this is not a a a, a, a criticism here this is a compliment i'm getting like very very similar like fresh off getting traded to the Leafs, Dion Phaneuf vibes from Kyle Clifford. Because when Dion Phaneuf got traded, he came into the Leafs locker room and he famously changed the music, put on some of that hip hop and that R and B that the youth of today like. And it and apparently it was a, a you know revolutionary move for the Leaf for a Leaf to do that. And he instantly became the captain. And, and we're obviously not in that era anymore. But he's come in with an energy and a confidence and a like as we said, he's happy to be a Leaf. And he, there seems to be a pride in him putting on that uniform that. You know, I don't think that any of the players have forgotten about, but it's nice to be reminded of in the middle of a very long season that's been very trying. And he just he just seems like a beacon of positivity, and both on and off the ice, because he can drive play, and he made a, a positive impact on the play tonight. He almost got a goal. It just seems like for a guy making less than a million dollars, go for it. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go anywhere near the auxiliary cord, but I think Mitch Marner's got that on lock. But he's going to. Do you know what his music taste is? I, I don't know, but I'm assuming ah. it's not quite in line with what the you know the young guys on the mm-hmm. team are uh, you know what they what they favor, I guess. But what he's going to do is he's going to go after anyone who you know lays any uh, lays a finger on a player that yeah. uh, uh, means something pretty valuable to the Maple Leafs. I mean, we saw him almost get his first fight with a, in a Maple Leaf sweater with uh, a little tussle with Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, we saw, you know, a pretty ill-advised penalty. I, he was getting that sort wasn't of... his fault, though. It was a 50-50 thing, but I saw him actually grab another guy's stick off a draw earlier in the game, and I thought that was just stupid, and why would you do that? And then he got called for holding the stick. So I think he might have to... Uh, take at least grabbing other players sticks out of his game but I think he's gonna fill the role perfectly because he can play and that was the biggest thing for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe is that they're not gonna waste a roster spot on a guy who can punch someone in the face but not fists but not handle the puck and he's gonna be able to do and I thought he looked good with Jason Spezza I mean that's like he Spezza might have to share in the nickname vintage because they look pretty vintage together 
uh, in that third line. It's probably going to be a fourth line once uh, William Nylander's back and everything else shuffles into place. But uh, I think other than the fact that he, uh, he, you know, when he, when he went for that massive hit, it was him that came up on the, uh, on the bad end of it. Uh, it went exactly as planned for him and he, Didn't he, phase uh, him, though. and he got, you know, he got the pitchers with his kids outside. He got the game ball. Uh, I think everything went Kyle Clifford's favor. And he, the thing about him too is although you know he was holding the sticks I think that was mainly uh, I'm going to show everything I can possibly do here to you guys this is my first game here I'm, I'm fired up I'm going to you know I'm I'm, get, I'm I'm pegged as sort of like the energy guy so I'm going to try and get away with a bunch of stuff but he's he's a like I nicknamed him Smart Hulk on Twitter because he, he clearly likes to break things but he also knows kind of when to break things and there was a point where and they mentioned on the broadcast where um when uh when when him and Getzlaff were tussling like he wanted to fight but at the same time he kind of there was a moment where he recognized like we're up by two we just scored this isn't the time to throw it down with a guy so I'm gonna wait I'm gonna I'm gonna draw an incidental minor and the trade-off between you know the the trade-off between Kyle Clifford and Ryan Getzlaff in the penalty box is a pretty good one mm-hmm. and he suckered in their captain into taking a penalty an incidental penalty on Kyle Clifford that's pretty good so he just he knows how to pick his spots it seems and he also got Ryan Miller to punch him in the face, so that was kind of cool. Like it's it's just it's it's fun to see a guy who um, is not running a, who's running around with reckless abandon, but also kind of knows when to turn it up and when to not. And like you said, if he takes the stick the stick grabbing out of his game, I don't think that's a very that's a thing that's plaguing his game right no, now. No, no, no. But and also during that penalty, he was he was holding the stick of the guy who was cross checking him repeatedly. No, it's it, it's it was, it's it was, a 50/50. Uh, it was just a, yeah, just a small thing. Uh, I'm I'm hyped about this guy, man. He can push the play. He can play. Like that's the thing. And and not just not just sort of tread water. Like he's a positive possession player. Right. Like and and him and Spezza together. Like that is. Is there a more likable twosome on the Leafs right now? Like I don't think so. They're, there really isn't. I mentioned awesome. I mentioned professional as a sort of a, a way to characterize the way Jack Campbell approached. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess a backup game. But that's exactly what Kyle Clifford is. He's a professional enforcer. Still I mean, it's it's pro. difficult to harness all that sort of aggression when that's your job, like to, to funnel it in the right direction every time. It's difficult. It's more difficult when it's the first game and the lights are on and like you're expected to make an impact. Mm-hmm. But he has the ability as someone who's done this for a long time uh, to know how to channel it the right way to get you know a 50-50 penalty, minor penalty with Ryan Getzlaff is an example of that. Uh, to you know incidental bumps with the goaltender uh, it's just these little things that he does he's a he's a expert at what he does and that's why he's probably going to help the Leafs uh, in his fourth line role he's also got like he's got a switch because you were you were at the game so you didn't see the broadcast but he was pulled for the uh, in, the second intermission interview and he was a different person to the interviews that he's had you know from coming here like when he's he was in the middle of the game and he like he was seeing the red mist he was mm-hmm. in it like he he offered nothing, and I think that I think that the broadcasts are going to start realizing that and be like, okay, maybe let's not call Kyle Clifford in here because he's not really going to give us anything. But no, he's look in a purely unbiased fashion. I, I I love this guy. He's he's great. So a guy you don't love is Cody Cece, and we mentioned why that. Would, why would you think that? Well, what have I ever done? To make I, you I, I guess you only have one <laughs> podcast. It's not a repeated, you know. It will be though. Yeah. It, well, it might not Give it be time. because Give it time. there's a chance that Cody CC joins other outcasts on Robida Island uh, because apparently he suffered a high ankle sprain, which will not even be looked at again for another month, uh, which means that his season is potentially in doubt. And that gives the Maple Leafs another option here because uh, it could potentially open up 
a pretty sizable uh, portion of salary for them to use and potentially go over uh, the salary cap. Uh, I mean, he was always an option to trade, um, but this is probably the best, the way. easier avenue. You're not packaging something else to get rid of him uh, to basically not have his $4.5 million affect the cap anymore. Uh, when you, when this became an option or potentially an option, uh, what, what are your sort of thoughts on the, uh, on the topic? Well, this injury made the Leafs the bonafide winners of the Nikita Zaitsev trade <laughs> because the biggest thing that was holding, that was holding that sort of victory, victory calling back was that it was, yeah, they got out of five years as I'd said, but CeCe's really screwing them this year, especially the 4.5. And now it, that he, it's like he doesn't exist anymore. It's like he just got, you know, sent to the phantom zone. Like he's gone. And Maybe. Well, okay, yeah. But at the same time, like it's a high ankle sprain. It'll be looked at in a couple of months. I don't think there was a – the fact that Cal Dubas is like, he's going to be out for a while at the press conference. And you were there, and you saw that he was kind of deliberate. Like he's not going to be looked at for another month. Okay, I, but the, the problem is we're two weeks away from the deadline. So if the Leafs are going to act on it, they kind of have to make a decision that they really don't have the answers for yet. Yeah. So it is it, – I mean – we will know by what they do. Well, not necessarily because they might not be able to find the deal. But if they do something, then we know the fate of CeCe. Yeah. But if they don't do something, then maybe we know that he's going to be a part of the f- of the future. So uh, while he will be reevaluated in a month, we're probably going to know exactly what's happening with him You're right. in a couple weeks. Um, there are more complications, though, because if they're going to use this money with the way they've been spending draft picks and I guess to a lesser extent prospects, mainly just draft picks. Yeah. Um, to get the guy who's going to be worthy of that 4.5 million, they're going to have to spend some of that futures capital. So I, again, I always think I've always thought before the CC thing happened that it's going to be difficult for them to get the defenseman that they need. But now that the circumstances have changed a little bit, would you be more willing to go out and get that player and spend a little bit more and sort of uh, invest or take away more of the resources you're going to have in the future uh, for this season? And and we don't know if the Maple Leafs are going to make the playoffs yet, uh, but they're going to have to decide what they want to do within the next couple of weeks here. I think that they, I think that they're looking at this and being like, yeah, this is a blessing, like in disguise maybe because it's someone's you know livelihood that's getting threatened here. But at the same time, like they now. Uh, James Martel wrote a great piece in the athletic where he's talking about how, you know, if, if the Leafs put cat friendly says that the Leafs, they're assuming that they've put CC on LTIR that opens up $6,534,517 of available cap space to the dollar to the dollar. I'm, I'm sure there's some sense in there, but they didn't have them. Mm -hmm. And if once Anderson comes back from injury, and they either send down and they send down probably both both of Marinchin and Hutchinson because they're running with a 23 man roster right now and it has three goalies on it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to make some moves. That will open that figure up somehow. I don't know how numbers work. I was told there was going to be no math, but it will open that up to over 9 million. Which means and I, and So anything is possible then. Anything is possible and by that anything the New Jersey will likely retain but like the, on paper they could get PK Subban. Without him retaining, without them retaining, uh, I mean, they uh, should retain. That would that would cause yeah. obviously problems. That would obviously you know hurt them down the yeah. line. But, uh, it opens but again, up. if you're going to do it, obviously it would be retaining. Uh, PK Subban is another discussion altogether. But it opens up all the possibilities. But it opens up all possibilities, and that's what you want. That's the bet. That's the the number one move, and essentially, other than actually pulling the trigger, 
on the deal. But the number one move uh, a general manager, and I guess Brandon Pridham specifically Mm -hmm. should do, is give you options, is open up the floor for you to be able to do kind of whatever you want and not be handcuffed. The fact that they've, like, this is an all-time performance by a front office when it comes to maneuvering the salary cap. This team is spending $13 million above the very hard, very uncrackable salary cap by moving money around and and being able to to sort of dodge all these barriers. And now somehow on a roster that is, again, $13 million over the salary cap, they have they could have upwards of $9 million to work with at the deadline. That's a remarkable. I mean, it, it is all because of injuries, but... I will give them credit for towing the line as they did. I mean, we were always waiting for this doomsday scenario. Do you think Dave Nonis would be able to do this? No. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think one person could do this. I think this is yeah. like, this is complete, you know, all hands on deck to get around everything. But we've been waiting for, like, Jason Spezza should have been gone. Yeah. I mean, if if the injuries didn't line up as they did, they would have they would have felt that Armageddon cap crunch where they had to get rid of some bodies and it just hasn't happened because they haven't had their A lineup together all season. Um, but it looks like in a crazy spin on the season that it's going to go from, okay, you're going to lose some guys that uh, you thought might play a role here to you're going to have all the luxury in the world at the deadline. Uh, and again, because of the situation where they with where they are with draft picks and prospects and who's in the system and and the worries of that potentially drying up i think they have to weigh all these considerations um but let's say you had a three player wish list would you where where are you starting if you're going to and and you have to you know obviously weigh are we going to move a guy like Casper Kapanen yes. are we going to move uh, you know, second round draft picks where, that are not in that are in short supply right now. So weighing all those options, where would you start, and who are you giving up? I mean, I there's some there's some names I listed out here that I guess we'll we'll go over because I'd like to get your input on this too, obviously. But it's, I mean, to for your for the Casper Kapanen thing, I, I'm now convinced after this game, I'm I'm 100 okay with trading him. I'm One ready. game. Well, it's it's not it, it's it's, and it's an accumulation, it's but accumulation. but this was like the this was the game this was the point where I'm like the, you straw that broke the camel's back exactly, and this is this is where like look they're down, and this guy is just doing the same streak down the wing stop curl back nonsense he's been doing the whole time and impacting nothing on the game. I'm done. Sell high or as high as you can. I'm over with this. But in terms of who to get. I mean, there are a lot of like now. Now the fact that they could have nine million at their disposal really changes all that because we were looking at low cost guys before. Mm-hmm. We were looking at you know like one is is Dylan Demello, uh, very good underlying numbers on a terrible, terrible, terrible Ottawa Senators team, um, specifically Ottawa Senators blue line right shot. He's UFA in the summer, so you'd probably have to resign him. But I doubt he'd command a huge amount of money. Um, he'd probably be someone who could slot into a bottom six role. Obviously, shouldn't take Casper Kapanen though. Absolutely not. That that's like a you know. Like Dimitro Timoshov has asked for a trade. We know that. So that that could be like, you know, let's swap these like they need some offense. We need some defense. Let's kind of probably you know, plus a sweetener, but yeah, yeah this no, is this like is a, a lower yeah, yeah. This is a lower cost move. Yeah. Another one that I have here is Josh Manson. I mean, that's the more he was played. That tonight. would be Kapanen. That would be Kapanen plus on the capital Kapanen scale. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be Kapanen plus and also uh, everything that we've heard is the ducks don't want to move him. Mm-hmm. But he would be and and but he's he's a decent like Compare him to Matt Dumba, who everyone's clamoring over. He's making six million dollars a year. He's got three more deals or three more years on his deal. Um, Josh Manson's four point one million dollars. He's a right shot. He can play the body. 
He's a, a, a he's having a down year right now, which I think is the perfect time to trade for him because he's he doesn't seem to be doing too well. And you put him in a different situation, maybe mm-hmm. could, there there could be some stag stagnancy in uh, in Anaheim. Um, another one is Jeff Petrie, although it's not going to happen because it's the Montreal Canadiens and they don't want to give him up. And that'll be capping in plus plus. Like that'll be that'll be a lot. But he's a rental though. He's a, and he is a rental. Well, he's got one more year, so there's term on that. Like, they oh, one more year after this. Okay. They, they like the Leafs being and Kyle Lewis being very clear that he doesn't want to trade for rentals. He wants to trade for guys. No, you can't. Exactly, and he wants to trade for guys, especially if you're giving up a premium like a Casper Kapanen or an Andreas Janssen. You want people to stick around in the future, and we saw that in the in the Clifford and Campbell deal. These two guys are gonna be here for the next two years, and it's you know, or I think Clifford might have one year left. I'm not 100 percent sure, but all of these guys. Cl- that no, were, Clifford's a UFA. Clifford's yep. not after this year. Yeah. I think he's got one more doesn't he well we'll check it but i'm pretty sure anyway either way it's then you got you know pk suban we talked about him before he's probably not what the leafs need right now but uh yeah is Clifford he? UFA. okay my bad but it's campbell's the main piece of that deal so yeah. i think you're you're kind of looking at the term there but um then you enter the pk suban conversation like we've been talking about and and although he might not necessarily be what the leafs need if you're gonna go full out and you believe that he can give you more than what he's given in new jersey and he's had the he's had the health problems before, and he clearly needs to revamp some of that. And the Leafs are known to have the you know the premium highest end uh, you know health facilities out there. Maybe there could be something worked out there where you can kind of reclaim some of that value. There are a lot of possibilities. There and there are, there are players out there on the market probably right now that we don't even know are available. Hundred percent. And it just it's going to make for an interesting deadline. I don't think that this is going to be the quiet deadline that people think it is. At least on the Leafs side, they're they're going to add someone. It's just a matter of who at this point. I think it. I, I I tend to agree with you in that aspect, but I just don't think it's going to be the huge deal. No, I, it'll I just, be Dylan DeMello. Or I something. just don't think that they can find the right. I definitely think that a trade involving someone, Casperi Kapanen and like, is going to happen uh, to sort of optimize this roster moving forward. But to find all the pieces, even with this extra money that could be at, at their disposal, I just don't know if they're going to find the guy that checks off all the boxes that they're willing to move a pre not a premium roster player but a nhl a middle six guy who's gonna potentially be a difference maker on another team i just can't see it happening in the next two weeks uh but i definitely think that they should use whatever and they will use whatever financial advantage they have at their disposal and i think uh the way things are shaping up that they're gonna have all the money in the world to play with but maybe not the resources to maximize the use of that money that's true it, it really depends on how their pieces are looked at league-wide like it depends on how gms view kapanen or Janssen or even a jeremy bracco like it depends on on how they're how the, the league views their chips because i feel like when it comes to us even in the media and people and the people who are actually in the front office making the deals there can be a chasm of value a chasm of perception there so I'm, I'm i'd be very interested in seeing you know how how front offices view these players compared to how we view them because we think captain could be a centerpiece of some deal maybe maybe gms don't like him maybe we view jeremy bracco as a depreciating asset we want to get out of here maybe some gm is like i think this i think this kid could be sick and i'm going to take him you know we we don't know who knows uh, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks we're going to sure wrap are. every show with something that has to do with social media it could be the best thing cool. we see on social. Sometimes we'll ask for questions. Mike, you you got one? As, yeah, so I asked for some questions. I said if they're dumb, don't ask them. But someone asked, but they were all dumb. So I think we're just going to kind of <laughs> roll through them. There's there's one that I wanted to uh, get because it's a little fun. I think little, we got time for one. A little fantasy scenario. So uh, at Traveling Genie, uh, Traveling Genie asked, 
uh, dumb, colon, great, uh, if the Leafs ran five forwards in a lineup. Like, let's say, you know, they're somehow OT got transferred back to uh, five on five, and the Leafs, and, and Sheldon Keefe is like, I'm going to go full send Leroy Jenkins five forwards. Who would those five forwards be for you? Oh, jeez. Well, we we would obviously have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, what William Nylander. Ooh. Now you can get funky with it. Now, I feel like you have to get a little offensive funky. zone draw. Let's say that. Let's 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 specify it. A bit. I mean, I guess Tavares has got to be on there as well. Mm-hmm. It's more or less the that fifth guy who could potentially, you know, have the speed to recover when things get a little crazy. I might go Pierre Engvall. Really? Pierre Engvall is the master of just steering momentum in the right direction at all times. Isn't he great? So I will take him to. You know, pick up some loose pucks, make sure it's funneled back into the right direction, and just keep things going downhill. I was gonna go same for the big four yeah. that you did, and then Spezza. That okay. cannon of a shot, like if offensive zone draw, I'm putting him, I'm putting him right in like sort of like the kicker position, right at the right at, at mid circle hash marks, and I'm I'm teeing him up for a one. But with those four players, do we really need more offense? Yes, we, we always, always need, need more, more offense. offense. Have you not watched the Leafs this year? We always need more offense. I mean, Jason Spezza has been the answer to just about everything, so I think uh, I'm will I'm willing to concede that you might have answered that dumb colon question better than me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have been Live Laugh Leafs, episodes after every game uh, on the Yahoo Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and uh, also on Yahoo Sports Canada. Bye. That's the proper send-off, right? Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.